Hello and welcome to Plot Tris, and this is our latest edition of Errata Not Erotica. The clips in this episode do not necessarily relate to one another, and they're going to transition between different topics pretty inorganically, but we do end with a pretty lengthy discussion with the lit wallflowers on Kleypas' new works and Bridgerton, so at least that part will be a little bit coherent. Everything else hopefully is just a little bit funny. And today we're reviewing The Sum of All Fears by Julia, whoops. So Cleo was engaged to, oh fuck, an Earl? I think so, yeah. Earl? I might have the title wrong. Sorry. So Cleo was engaged to the heir of the earldom. Yes. By an arrangement between their families. And she herself is of the ton, but not the child of an actual aristocrat. Right. And so they got engaged when she was very young. She was 17. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I've been asked to be a diplomat. Wait, wait, wait. We, we need to go back because he's a Marquis. Obviously. Damn it. I mean, the book is called Say Yes to the Marquis. Start this over. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something different. I was like, oh, I was like, I must have missed where she was engaged to someone else. <laughs> okay, okay. Ooh. I just don't read the titles, Meg. Whatever, more for errata. So, just to like set the stage before we talk more about the plot. She was engaged to the heir to the earldom, Pierce. No, <laughs> she's engaged to the heir to the Marquisette. God fucking damn it. Okay, she got engaged. Yeah, to set the So, you were asking me why I liked Bridge and Heroes, and I have to be honest, it was kind of a surprise question, and I didn't have a great answer. I was like, because they're great, obviously. Um, but then, <laughs> right? But and then I was trying to think about it, like, like why? Like, why do I like them? And and especially because it's not that I don't dislike a woman virgin hero, a virgin heroine. It's not that I dislike that, but you just don't see it very often. Um, and we, Wait, like, I you like, see virgin I'm heroines sorry. all the time. You don't see the opposite very often. You don't see an experienced heroine very often. Right. And right. even when you see an experienced heroine, it's all it's often like caveated. Exactly. Often it's, oh, well, I was, I was, I'm a widow, but I never even enjoyed sex with my husband or I was raped or, or I can tell you, I have had three lovers. They were all discreet relationships of, you know, a decent duration. Yeah. Like I can't think of a single romance novel heroine in a historical who's had one night stands consensually. Mm, I think I could think of one, but I'd have to think real hard about it. I can think of ones who are, like, experienced, oh. who have had, like, love affairs, plural. Yeah. But no. all of whom were, like, selected individuals that went on for a couple of months. Oh, I can think of one. I can think of one right now, but I can't think of her name. But I know who I'm thinking of. And it's one of the women in one of Eloisa James' early series. Okay. Um, 
So you've read a billion romance novels I've read a and lot. you can think of one. I can think of, yes, yes, yes. I'm, is- I'm sticking with my point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, why do I like Virgin Heroes? And I was, I was thinking about it and I think, because I was, I was also trying to think of the books mm-hmm. with Virgin Heroes, which are, I can probably, for me, I can probably count on two hands, right? And there are a couple that I really am not thrilled about. So, for example, in Once Upon a Tower by Eloisa James, it's a virgin hero and a virgin heroine. And she makes it very realistic on the wedding night. Yes. And so... I'm making a spicky face. Exactly. And it's... I, I don't appreciate it. And then she doesn't... Oh, my God. I hate this book so much. She doesn't have an orgasm until, like, much later in the book. And then he gets mad at her because he thinks she was faking the other ones. Like, it's... All kinds of problematic. I hated it. Right? I remember starting it off and I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is, good. I'm like, oh, cool. He's a virgin, blah, blah, blah. And then he turned into such an asshole that I was like, oh, you're gross, man. I was also thinking, and this might be projecting onto you, but this is something that I think fascinates me about virgin heroes is at the time there would have been such societal pressure for guys to have sex especially in the aristocratic class that we typically are reading about. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's something inherently sexy about a guy who resisted that. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. But then what I think I really like, and especially the ones that I really like, mm-hmm. is that it puts a lot of agency on the woman to communicate and to tell the guy what she wants and what she likes. And then he complies. So I like that. Okay. Like. <laughs> Thought you were going somewhere else with that statement until you said, <laughs> and then he complies. So like, cool. Well, but when I say when he complies, it's like, he doesn't have that. He doesn't have that sort of masculine issue where, oh, I'm not going to do what a woman tells me to do. So I think it's a reversal of a lot of okay. sexist norms basically. And so you're saying that dynamic extends outside of the bedroom, but like it makes him more comfortable relying yeah. on a woman all around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It makes him more of a partner and more of a person that I would want to be with. Hmm. And I would see myself also more as that woman character, as that heroine. Because they get to be more like assertive and modern in some ways. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Interesting. I, I like I've liked all the Virgin Hero books we read. Mm-hmm. From my perspective, I question more why I'm not bothered by male Virgin Heroes and I'm bothered by Virgin Heroines. I mean, is it does it bother you? No. When a like, woman that's what is I'm a virgin? Like, no, when a woman is a virgin, does it bother you? Or is it more of a like I like it when she's not a virgin? It's it depends on how the author portrays it. Mm-hmm. The woman's virginity is not inherently problematic to me. Okay. But I think when it's celebrated, it's gross. Yeah. But, like, I'm thinking of... But, like, I'm um, saying when, like, we are celebrating the virginity of the male heroes. Granted, you're justifying it in the context of it, like, connotes something different about the dynamics they're able to present. So it's not the virginity in and of itself. I, I think that's what I like about it. Yeah. Well, I and think I think that's yeah legit. I think it's just a reversal of so many different tropes. It's a reversal yes. of the rake. 
It's a reversal of the the alpha male because he's supposed to know everything and know what to do in bed. And that was my issue with the Once Upon a Tower is that basically mm-hmm. like they're in bed. He's read books about orgasms, but she's also a virgin. So she doesn't exactly know what that is or, you know, mm-hmm. feel comfortable telling him anything. And he's like, are you coming? And she's like, uh, yeah, I'm coming, you know. How was this supposed to be sexy? Um, I don't know. It wasn't sexy. Because that is actually like an, an utterly horrifying description. <laughs> it was awful. Like I really, I really liked the setup. I was like, oh, cute, 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 cute. Oh, this is horrible. And then like, he would like be like, let's have sex. And she'd be like, fine, we can do it. Because she hated it. And then finally he's like, hmm, something seems to be a little odd. And he changes his technique. And then he gets all PO'd at her that she was faking it all along. And then she runs away and locks herself in a tower. Okay. <laughs> I can't handle any of that. And I'm it, never reading that book. I usually but, love Eloisa James, you know, like, don't read it. But I will say that that train of thought got me thinking that that might be part of what's so sexy about Devil in Winter. Mm-hmm. And, like, I hate to be a statistic, but... The fact that they do so much making out mm-hmm. is, like, in its own way really hot. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the fact that he's not racing to a conclusion. Yep. And I know that this is, like, woman in a romantic comedy 101. But there is something to be said for a dude who's not, like, hitting fast forward. Yeah. Well, and if you think about um, the Duchess War, remember, that had Minnie and Robert, and they were both mm-hmm. virgins on the wedding night. And he had, like, this great experience. And she was like, um, Robert, I think maybe it should have been a little better for me. Why don't we try this again? But, like, I love that not because they were both virgins, but because neither of them felt any need to censor their, themselves. But that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I like about it. But that had more to do to me with the Courtney Milan, honestly, being like, let's celebrate honesty. Like, whether they'd been virgins or not, the fact that they were both comfortable being like, this is what could have been better. Yeah, but I feel like that's common in virgin hero books. Mm. That kind of communication. The guy being open to it. Yes. Yeah. That's fair. Well, I, and I think the problem is, like, in Virgin Heroine books, the guy's not... I, I feel like the guy ends up in this role of teacher. Mm-hmm. We're in Virgin Hero books, I feel like, while there's a dynamic... But, like, teach is the wrong word. I guess in the Virgin Heroine books, the guy is meant to be imparting pleasure. Mm-hmm. We're in Virgin Hero books. The woman is teaching the guy how to give her pleasure. Yes, exactly. And that's sort of the difference is like educating on the sexual arts versus like, no, directly, this is how you give a woman an orgasm. Yeah. Well, this is how you give me an orgasm. Yeah. Yes. But I, that's, I think that's, I think that is what I like about it. I think that it, because it, and again, maybe this is um, totally a double standard but when the man is a virgin there's a reason for it right yeah 
Yeah. And so it, it's a deepening of their character. And it's, a, it's more than just a character trait as in she's a gently bred woman, you know? Yeah. So. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> you, Lane is watching her first love, the Yankees. Oh, I'm going to edit all this out so you don't have to worry about explaining it. No, you can put that in later in Erotina Erotica, although this is Erotica for Lane right now. Oh, my God. Aaron Judge just hit his second home run of the game. Oh, oh my God. All right. We're, oh, my God. I can't look at your face, Lane. Sorry. I'm like, I just got to from my dad about it, too. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I Okay. 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 There, I mean, you know, that that's so fair. It's like if I ever pl- replay Mass Effect 3, I'm stopping before the final boss battle. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, Alias, I don't watch the last two scenes of season two. Yeah. That's where the show ends in my mind, is before she gets flash forwarded two years and Vaughn's married that other girl. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. I, I re watched all of Alias one and two with a friend. Alias had five seasons, by the way. And um, I literally stopped the DVD before the last two scenes, looked at her and went, It's better this way. And she said, Okay, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> So she's never even seen beyond that point <laughs> because I told her this is where it should end. Oh my gosh. Well, I will say you did recommend that I read when I, when I was reading um, Amelia Peabody, you were like, don't read this book. But I did. And I was like, nah, I shouldn't have done that. So guys, you know what? Take Lane's <laughs> recommendations. If you, if you seem, think you have a similar vibe to me, I will, like, piece up a series and be like, don't read these pages, don't read these pages, don't watch this episode. I am 100% that person. Ask me for any recs. I'm good at it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. She's, she's like she's like the, the queen of, like, mixtapes. But it's not a mixtape. It's whatever other media you're doing, watching or reading. And it's not reading. about what I add. It's about what I take away. Right. Exactly. Slightly different. So... We just have to call out. Uh, oh no, it's it hasn't started yet. Damn it! So we just want to call out a naming convention. We've reviewed several books within books that we liked, books that we didn't like, books that we thought were okay. Lots of books. But what is it with like every author starting book titles or worse? Every ser- book in a series titled with a lady's noun. Mm-hmm. There's, and it's usually a guide. There is, mm-hmm. there is the lady's guide to mystery and mayhem or mischief and mayhem. The lady's traveler's guide. Yeah, lady traveler's guide to whatever, blah, 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 blah. There are all those. They're way too long to those books, titles. There's a lady's formula for love. Well, and there's the one that's not even a romance novel you just read. The Ruthless Lady's Guide to Wizardry. Just saying, guys, it was cute the first time. <laughs> the first time five years ago. Now it's a, like it's really intense. On the other hand, it kind of signals to me this is a book that will probably be interesting to you because I think it feels it's like historical. It's got the historical mm-hmm. feel. It's got sort of that feminist feel, right? This is a guide for ladies. Sure. And then we'll see what the heck else is in there. So, like, lady travelers are like, oh, then don't be traveling. 
the lady's formula. Oh, they must be scientists. It's too common. Like, I it, get it. I yeah. get why it. And I also understand that, especially within the romance novel genre, there's only so many ways to squeeze, like, Duke, Rogue, Mistress, Duchess. Like, I mean, we got a limited number of words. Yeah. That we're working with. But this needs to be more sparsely used. I I just went to Amazon and wrote a lady's guide. And... There are nine different books that start, and only one of them is one that we already mentioned. There's a lady's guide to gossip and murder, a lady's guide to etiquette and murder, a lady's guide to petticoats and piracy, a lady's guide to improper behavior, a lady's guide to celestial mechanics, a lady's guide to selling out. <laughs> and that's only the ones with guide in it. That's the only We're complaining guide. about... A lady's noun in general, guide, formula, whatever. Oh, I'm reading, so, right now I'm reading A Lady's Code to Misconduct. Right. So just saying authors, maybe stop. <laughs> maybe? <laughs> take a take a hiatus on that one. I can't remember which ones I've read. That's the, that's the other problem, <laughs> yes. Like the number of times Meg and I have had to have the conversation, the A Lady's something and then you have to describe the full plot because like the specific title is not coming to you it's the one with this and you're like oh yeah that one i, I think the biggest offender is the ladies tra the lady traveler's guide because yeah. the book they're really it, the first time you read it you're like oh how cute a lady's guide to scoundrels and other gentlemen or whatever you're like oh that's a cute name then you read all the others and you're like oh i am never going to remember what the heck happened in each of these books no. No. So we're not saying these books are bad. No. There are plenty yeah. of really good ones. I gave five stars to The Ruthless Lady's Guide to Wizardry. Okay. We just had this conversation and you're hesitating over the name because you're like, which lady's guide are we talking about? I was like, which one? Right <laughs> so our point is we read a lot, authors, and we want you to help us help you by naming your books something unique enough in the current naming convention for us to identify them. Hopefully we'll remember which ones we really like so we don't end up buying the ones we thought were meh. This has been a public service announcement from Padres. Thank you and good night. How did you guys come up with that? It was all lame. I really like wordplay. Um, so I think for me, trying to come up with a shorter way to summarize something and get to try to be funny, I think I fail more often than not, is really fun. Um, and I did, oh God, years ago, a knitting podcast that was, uh, Holidays and Hand Knits. It never got released, but we did something similar with Made for TV Christmas movies. So I felt like translating it to literature would make a lot of sense. Yeah. No, it's I, so fun. No, I, love, I it. love all your guys' summaries. I, but like the ones where you have like 45 or 46, I was like, <laughs> Okay, right. inevitably we have 45 or 46 the day I don't look at the notes until like 15 minutes before recording. <laughs> like if I'm doing my notes like weeks out, it's like under 10 words. If I'm doing my notes like, oh, I was supposed to call Meg 10 minutes ago, it's inevitably like several sentences. <laughs> 
I don't know. I like the, I like the longer ones because I can, I write like a lot of stuff and then I can just go back and take out like little words. Yeah. That's my, that's my strategy. <laughs> I love it. It's so much fun. Um, I read this really interesting thing about the script for the 96 or 95, 96 um, Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. And it was that like in the script notes, they would tell him like how he was feeling. And there's the scene where it says like, you have an erection. Yeah. It's the one in the lake. Everybody knows that story. Not the lake. He gets in the lake. Yes, but that's not the one. Oh, I thought that was the one. No, it's the other one where um, he goes to see her at Mr. Collins's house. Mm. And she walks in. And like, if you watch, watch it back because he like holds his hat in front of his crotch. I own it on DVD, so I will. There's, um, have you ever seen the DVD special features of Bridget Jones's Diary? <laughs> no. So does he talk Renee, about it? Yeah. So Renee Zellweger becomes Bridget Jones becomes a reporter at the end, and so they thought it would be a joke because obviously Colin Firth was play, cast play Mark Darcy mm-hmm. because they thought it would be funny for the people who knew it was like an Inside Pride and Prejudice reference. Mm-hmm. But so one of the after credit sequence is Bridget Jones gets to interview Colin Firth. Oh. So like as an inside joke so it's like it's the same guy duh um and he she spends the whole time asking him about an erection and pride and prejudice like i read that they told you you had an erection what was that like <laughs> and the the joke is colin firth gets so pissed at her he walks out of the interview <laughs> that's cute so yeah okay. I, but i think it is more ubiquitous than you might know because of that scene yes now now i understand but um <laughs> That like yeah, that was way back. I think it was before Bridget Jones. Like my friends and I would watch. And we're like, which is the one? Do you think he has an erection? And <laughs> like we're all pretty. Like maybe he. I'm sure he did get an erection after the lake. Like whatever, that's fine. But like there's this one. Look at the one. It's the not the time he proposes, but the time before that, when he goes to see her at the Collins's house, and they're like, he's been waiting for a while. She's like, why would he be waiting around for me? And he basically says, Hey, good to see you. Peace out. <laughs> like she walks in and he stands up like, <laughs> like, don't look at my crotch. Anyway. That is, I will have to go back and watch it. What a trap. What a hardship. What a, I know. That might be my uh, thing I watch while I repair all the clothes I have to fix. It's a real hardship. <laughs> okay. Okay. That'll. Um, so anyway. Oh my goodness. But okay. So tell me about this new book of Lisa Kleypas's cause I am way behind on the times and had no idea this was happening. Okay. So, but, um, yeah, Lisa Kleypas is coming out with a new book in July. It's part of the Ravenel series. So it's, um, Wallflowers Hathaway's Ravenel. And, um, we thought the series was over cause everybody in the Ravenel siblings are all married. And then she just dropped this thing that Devil in Disguise is coming out and it's a Ravenel series and Merit, which is Marcus and Lillian's daughter, um, is now widowed and it's her story. So, but in the Lisa Clifford's world, Devil is always Sebastian. So, so everyone's up in arms, like, does he have a love child? Like, like, so they're upset. <laughs> People are mad. <laughs> oh, you can't be mad. How many women, how many women did Sebastian fuck before he met Evie? But, but in Devil in Winter, he's like, I take precautions. I use French letters. Uh-huh. So we all know they're like 100% totally, yeah. you know, safe. safe. <laughs> <laughs> so my theory was like, 
So, because he likes to have, um, you know, like sex with married peers. I think um, somebody claims it's his. Mm. But because it's a Ravenel series, it's actually a Ravenel. So it's another Ransom. Ransom was... Um, oh. an, I never read it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so he, it's another Ravenel, just out there, illegitimate. But we don't... Wait, I'm guessing it's Devil's illegitimate sibling. His dad's, I'm serious. His dad's still kicking in this book. It's, yeah, it's true. Yeah. His dad's around forever. So if his dad had a kid at any point in the last 10 years from Devil and from Wallflower's Christmas, merits what, four in this book? So I wouldn't be surprised rather than an illegitimate child if Devil has an illegitimate sibling, That's which true. would then make everyone feel much better about the connection. <laughs> How does this tie into though? He had it with a Ravenel wife. Oh, oh. So Ravenel, Anna, Anna, and, Saint and Vincent. Saint Vincent's dad. Yeah, because he was also like, um, in this book, he was like leeching and touching the, um, touching the maids and whatever mm -hmm. in the Waffle Hour of Christmas. So he oh, was still yeah. like, and and that line of Saint Vincent or of Chalons, they're very like, um, you know, how, how do you say that word? Potent. Yeah. <laughs> viral. Viral. <laughs> So, so it can be. It's a that's sibling. That's true. That's a good. That's I a love good that. Yeah. Okay, I like that even more. <laughs> she's, she's been having a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be Sebastian's illegitimate child. But I'm like, who else would it be? I mean, Evie will accept them. Their kids will accept that person. So. Yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I if it were Sebastian. And it wouldn't offend me either. I'd just be like, whatever, you know, we all knew we had a life before Evie. Yeah. Yeah. And and out of all the wallflowers, she would be the one that would be okay with like a love child, you know? Oh, totally. I mean we get more wallflowers. That's how I say it. True. <laughs> true. True. Because I've been waiting for um a, a actual marriage connection between Marcus and Sebastian for a while. Oh, yeah. So I was hoping they, they bring up another child, another of Marcus's child in, is it Devil and, one of the Devil and Spring, mm -hmm. Devil's it, Daughter? It, and I'm like, it, oh, um, he needs Jason Cassandra, right? No. Oh, yes, yes, Jason Cassandra. And I'm like, okay, he's going to come up. So I thought this next book was going to be about him. But let, surprise, surprise, we get another <laughs> Ravenel. And I'm not mad about that, actually. I, I love the Ravenel series and the Ravenels. <laughs> I'm excited to get to them. We'll get there. Even though I, honest to God, if one more has devil in the title, I'm gonna go crazy. I can't keep them <laughs> apart. Like how it's many, so, how many are there allowed to be? Well, this will be number four. Yeah. So there's four with devil and then the number with random seasons. I just. I can't, well, the, oh, the seasons. <laughs> but what I really can't handle, I, cause I, I can't remember which one is which are the days of the times of day. Midnight, oh. sunrise. Mm. I never remember which sibling is with which time of day. Oh, mm. yeah. Midnight, sunrise, twilight, afternoon. Yeah. Morning. No, morning. No, yeah. morning, afternoon. Morning, yeah. afternoon. There. See? <laughs> but yeah, I'm always, I have to be like, I don't remember. I don't remember which is which. I would remember morning. Because <laughs> it's Leo. She loves Leo. <laughs> oh, I love Leo too. He's my favorite. First. Okay. Araminta Cowper. What the. Love it. Love it. Love it so much. <laughs> I, I told Lynn, I was like, I'm so happy. Just put all the villains in one family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so great. Well, we were saying on the podcast we recorded that like they are 
if they want to keep the previous heroes and heroines relevant, they have to reduce this cast size some way. Yeah. yeah. So I think making Sophie's family the coppers is a great way to cut villains in half. That said, it does make me wonder about our speculation in regard to the French seamstress being Sophie. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't so, know that I saw anything there. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I like rewatched some of the scenes and then I was just like, okay, so the other thing that the, that, um, who was it? Tea and Strumpets, they said that they read that um, a Bridgerton is not going to end up who they're, end up with the love interest from their book. So I, I was like, okay, either our theory is right, and that's their way of saying that they're not going to do Hyacinth and Gregory, or um, maybe Benedict does end up with Genevieve, and they like kind of like changed it a little bit to where she still has a Cinderella story, but her name is not Sophie. It could be that. So Lane had this great idea that I'm in love with, actually. Is <laughs> that it's not Sophie. It's it, it, what is his name? Samuel. Samuel. But it's not that wasn't my idea. <laughs> Re- <laughs> but and so because it's the Earl of whatever, you know, the Sophie was the illegitimate daughter of the Marquis or the Earl, whatever, right? And so my, then I took it and I was like, this would be awesome because what if Araminta married him and he was like, they, they couldn't have a kid, so he has no heir. And he's like, all right, well, how about I leave my money to my son and you have your daughter marry him so that there's money, but then she kicks him out and doesn't just takes all the money. Mm. That's my idea. <laughs> I think that would be a really interesting romance novel. I think there's no way in hell it's happening. I'm sure. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but I really like my idea. <laughs> so, no, my point to Meg was just like, I'm not going to freak out about that because that could mean anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, so John, we've already speculated he's actually a Featherington instead of the Scottish Earl. Would that count as not in the book? I just can't see them if they do a romance for all eight of them. I can't see them deviating super far from the essence of the story. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, I can see names changing. And what the joke I made to make was I could see gender swaps, make it Samuel instead of Sophie. I could see, but I don't, I don't foresee them rewriting the book. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think Anthony's going to end up with the sister of the incomparable. I think Benedict's going to end up with an illegitimate cast off of the aristocracy. I think Penelope and Colin are ending up together. Shock. You know, <laughs> I, I think Hyacinth, not Hyacinth, Francesca oh, is going to, no, oh, I was going to say Francesca is going to end up with an Earl who dies or an aristocrat who dies and then end up with his heir or his relative. Maybe yeah. it's not his cousin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I can see them fudging with details, but the exact text I sent Meg, I don't know if you guys were really into Harry Potter growing up or even how old you are, but J.K. Rowling for years and years and years and years and years said the last word of the last book was going to be Scar. And every fan theory for years and years and years had to do with how Harry Scar was playing into the end of the book. And then she went and changed it. It wasn't even the last word of the series. Like they didn't even (laughs) stick to it. But second of all, like the other hint she gave about the way it ended, they weren't as big a deal as they seem. So just not who they are in the book could be something as minor as a name change. So like, I hope it's not, I hope it's exciting, but I'm way more excited about the Cowpers being Sophie's fan. Yeah, yes. right. 
Well, Tessa Dare's theory is that Eloise is gonna remain single or a lesbian. So that's Tessa Dare's theory. She was she was on that same episode with Tia and Strumpet. She mm-hmm. said that either Benedict's gonna end up with a guy or Eloise, since she's so much about like being not trying to get married, not trying to get married, anything like that. And then so they said that in turn we're going to see a full fleshed out Marina and Sir Philip Crane story. And I was like, I don't yes, know. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want no. that. I don't, see I don't it. want that at all. Not that <laughs> I want her to die. I, I will <laughs> say. She's going to die. <laughs> I hope maybe she doesn't die. Maybe she abandons her family. Maybe she like leaves. Yeah. Just runs away. Like Just runs away. Yeah. And goes to get her degree somehow. <laughs> Wait. Marina? 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 Eloise. Oh, okay. So I was thinking about Marina. I mean, oh, Marina, her I'm sorry. It, like her kids uh-huh. and um, Sir Philip. Yeah. I mean, the only thing better than suicide. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. We we were thinking, if anything, they might do her like death at birth kind of thing. Yes, but didn't you say that um, the the leak was that Marina shows up? Yeah, mm-hmm. Marina's in the whole. Uh, well, they said everyone is everyone is in the next season everyone that every character is in the next season and then there was like a there was a um what is she an extra she reached out to our Bridgerton podcast and was like um I'm this girl and then it was the girl that we all thought it was Edwina and then I was like I was like oh hi <laughs> and I was like oh like how, how like trying to like interrupt so you're an extra huh <laughs> and not a secretly early cast main character yeah so i was like how's how season how season two stuff going you know kind of like not ask but ask and she was like i was like oh are you gonna be in season two and she's like well we're not allowed to discuss season two right now i was like okay so that's a yes you're gonna be in it <laughs> so it's a yes so, but... <laughs> but yeah so i i don't i i don't know i don't know what's 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 gonna happen but yeah that was Tessa Dare's theory that Eloise is gonna be either single or a lesbian so it's possible I just don't haven't they said they're doing all eight books though yeah they said they wanted to I mean like all for female empowerment all for female education all for an LGBTQ storyline yeah really fucking boring season if it's just Eloise being single for eight episodes yeah that's like true. that's not what the show is about yeah 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 i don't know that's what, that's some of the things that they were i was just like eh, i don't know how i feel about that yeah i don't think she'll be single i i i mean i would love if she went if she well after if, if she tried to like infiltrate oxford or something yeah. yeah i mean i think there's a way to make her um more academic character than she was in the book without having her not end up with Philip. My only thing though is if Eloise and Philip don't end up together, then he only exists to fake out book readers. Yeah. Cause then yeah. there's no need to have Marina and Philip in the story. Yeah. That's why I was just like, I don't know. I don't want to see a whole ass like season of Marina and Philip Crane. Like, I, I mean, know. I was bored of her in the first season. <laughs> Oh gosh. I know I, I like you guys said, like she like switched human like characters, yeah. like characteristics like halfway through, right? No, yeah. Meg had an intelligent criticism. I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 
but yeah, I think Cressida makes the, per oh, I was going to say, I just reread Romancing Mr. Bridgerton mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> and Penelope says that they have a distant uncle named John. The so, most common name. Yes. But that's our theory. They're like, we don't have any family except a very distant uncle named Uncle John that we know as Uncle John. <laughs> so, so then do you think Michael wouldn't be a cousin, but rather a best friend? Like, I'm fine with, like, I don't need them to be biologically related. Yeah. yeah, this, yeah. The, but that's what I mean by end up with someone different. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So it's his yeah, best yeah. friend, Michael, instead of his cousin, Michael. See what we did there? Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I cannot wait for Francesca's season. I cannot wait for John to die. I know this is terrible, but I'm like, it's going to be so good. I'm so excited. I am too, actually. Yeah, it's going to be a great season. I want to cry about it and then be happy at the end. Exactly. Yeah. It's going to be the one where you're like, yes, this is happening. Like, it's going to be really sad, but you're like, oh, you know? Well, in some ways, I think that's going to be the storyline that benefits the most from being a TV show instead of a book, because we'll get to watch yes. a lot of what goes on with John slowly in the background. Like, don't get me wrong, I like the book and the way Julia Quinn does his abrupt death in the very, very beginning is very cool and well done. Yeah. But yeah. I think getting to extend that courtship, even if it's a background thing, is really going to drive the knife in. Yeah, yeah for sure. So exactly. our, our theory is that she's going to be the incomparable for Benedict's season. So Benedict's that way yeah. she gets married to John by the end of Benedict's season. Oh, yeah. I'm down. Mm -hmm. so, that would be great. Yeah. I love that Cresta is potentially Rosamond. Oh, that I, that's so, that's like... <laughs> Stroke of genius. I love it. I'm bad at names with the, because, first of all, half of them in romance novels are the same. But yeah. the younger sister. Posey. Posey, yeah. Cressida just better not be Posey. Do oh. not give her depth. Oh. No. That's my biggest fear. <laughs> you No, but that is my biggest fear. That, like, Cressida's going to be Posey and is going to get, like, her scenes about the depth of her character and why she pretends to be mean. Not here for it. Yeah. I'm not Blaine, interested. Blaine told me this. I was like, uh, she. There's that one scene with Cressida, who, um, in Daphne, and she's like, oh, you know, you you got to do whatever you want, and now you have to like take it out on me. And Blaine's like, don't make me care about you, Cressida. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, not yeah. having yeah. it. I want her to have one dimension in terms of personality, and at least three in terms of hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still, I, I don't want her to be Posey because then she gets saved. I still want Cressida's storyline to be completely fully flushed out where where she does the pretend to be whist yeah. whistled down later and everything like that. Like, Same. I, yeah. to go I want her to Absolutely. be full villain all the time. So I'm fine Agreed. with Rosamond. I'm just afraid they're going to try to do Posey and give her death. Not here for it. No. What if they, I was wondering if they would have Posey be a stepsister instead of the actual sister to mm. to Rosemond. So if, she, if if Araminta Copper is Araminta Araminta and she marries a Gunningswer, if they actually mm. follow that, I mm. wonder if um, Cressida will belong to Araminta and then Posey will belong to a Gunningswer. Mm, so, got it. Oh, like they get married. Yeah, so I mean, at okay. least we see the good and the bad side. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe they'll just get rid of Posey. 
maybe yeah i mean they got they got rid of nigel borbrook's brother they got Mm -hmm. rid of felicity they you know so Mm -hmm. that's true yeah so i'm hoping she's at school somewhere yeah 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 yeah, yeah. (laughs) i'm gonna see her yeah i'm trying to think if i if she added anything vital in terms of like the actual narrative composition not like i liked her in the book i'm not trying to like say she's unnecessary but yeah trying to think if you lose anything by cutting her just the very end where she where they were all in the jail cells and she was one like i know where your wedding ring is i read your will like all that and so they could figure a, a way around that but that was like her most like the biggest part like role that she played kind of and then and then causing Sophie to punch Araminta because for loving her daughters differently 